0: and Mr. Kevin Coin, And I'll get to why Mr. Kwan is, is significant later on, but he was one of my mentors that taught me how to speak. He was one of my coaches for my speaking team that I was part of. And him and I would have discussions before school every day at six in the morning talking about agriculture, talking about life, things that I would need to know to be a strong leader and just kind of comparing notes on what we thought a good person was. And it was honestly some of the best times i had in in my high school experience and to this day some of the best times i've had in general Hello and welcome to Talk Ag the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and welcome to the first episode of Season 3. I wanted to start off this season with a bit of a different type of episode, but definitely a necessary one. So I've been involved in the podcasting communities online for uh, eight months now, give or take. It's been almost a year. And the same question every time I get onto another podcast or someone comes onto mine is where I came from why I got involved in agriculture, why I decided to make a podcast about it, why I think it's important to talk about, and just in general, what's my goal. And so this is going to be an episode without any guests. It's just going to be all of you and and me, and we're going to take a little trip down the story that is talkagdomy. So in order to get into that that mindset, I'm going to be going over everything that happened Basically, since I started the podcast and even before that, so this is going to be kind of a an audio autobiography of both myself and talk Ag to Me and kind of why I started the podcast and, and why that reason has changed a little bit. So I'm just going to jump right into it, starting with before I even got into high school, I had zero interest in agriculture. I mean I grew up in Tulare California which is a uh, you know a very agricultural town we used to call it cow town and we still do um, and I had just no interest in it whatsoever I mean I grew up around cows I've been on dairies and, and playing with calves since I could walk I've you know grown up with parents and and you know siblings and family friends that were deeply involved in agriculture my entire life so I was very much surrounded by it it just never interested me really. I was always more interested in, in, you know, technology and mechanics and games and I don't know, it just never really caught my eye. So leading up to high school, I mean, I never really had any interest in agriculture. I'm currently 20 years old studying agricultural education and minoring in mass communication journalism at Fresno State. If you had told me I was doing that when I was 13 years old, I probably would have laughed at you. Because I had not even any kind of of idea about agriculture. I didn't have any uh, reason to go into it. I didn't have any ambition towards it. I was planning on either becoming a a mechanical engineer, a uh, biomechanic, because I was very interested in prosthetics before I got into high school, or a zoologist, because I loved working with animals. Little did I know that many of my interests in technology and animals and biology would all be combined into agriculture. So uh, when I was you know, going into high school my freshman year, my parents kind of, I, I guess you could say, forced me into FFA. And I know some of my listeners don't know what FFA is. So FFA, is, uh, FFA stands for the Future Farmers of America, although now they just call it the National FFA Organization because back in 1988, they changed the name of it. But that's beside the point. Um, it's a youth leadership program founded in agriculture. So, high school students and now even middle school students can learn about leadership skills, you know, personal development skills, all those types of things. And they also learn about the roots of where their food comes from. So, you know, while we're learning about public speaking, we're also speaking on issues regarding our food. While we're learning about, you know, quick presentations, we're learning about it in terms of how do we present ourselves and even how you present commodities like fruit. Um, I was a state champion citrus judge. And that taught me a lot about public speaking and about um, almost like an interview process in terms of how our, our reasons get judged. But it was all based around fruit. So that's kind of what FFA is all about. It's teaching kids leadership skills and personal development skills founded in agriculture because it believes that those two things are vitally important for a person to be successful, to understand where the food comes from as well as a practical world issue and how to apply realistic leadership skills to those issues. There's even been arguments that agriculture should be the style of teaching all things, that uh, you know, math, English, science, all of these topics should be taught with an agricultural background or there should, there should be alternative classes that do that because it is the most practical way to teach those concepts. Like, yes, the concepts are, th- are theoretical or, or they're conceptual, but by teaching them in a practical instance, they're easier to understand, and that's honestly what I believe. But anyways, that that's getting me off track. When I got into my freshman high school class, uh, I had my first ag teacher mr. Dave Catano and I told him I promised him that if this podcast ever got big I'd I'd give him you know credit for helping with this but not quite there yet Catano but maybe one day I I do like to thank him though for a lot of what he's done to me and I'll get more to more into that later but I was involved in mr. Catano's freshman year ag one class and that was the class that I learned how to speak or kind of went through my first speaking experience. That was the class I went through my first everything experience because I went in there very shy, very closed off, very, uh, I wouldn't say closed-minded in terms of agriculture. I just wasn't my thing. I didn't have the leadership skill in me. I didn't have the ambition to become anything more than what I was already planning on becoming. And it wasn't until Mr. Katano pushed me to try harder that he pushed me to go outside my comfort zone and to do things that I wasn't totally okay with. And so... My dad convinced me to start showing animals because I came from a family of FFA kids. You know, my, my parents were both involved in FFA in high school. My dad was uh, an officer. He competed on judging teams. He was competing on speaking teams. He was very involved in his chapter. My mom showed sheep. My brother and sister both showed dairy cattle and competed in different teams. Then there was me. I had no experience in public speaking. I had very little experience working with animals. I had almost no experience in terms of any kind of, the, of stuff that's it's, you know, associated with a, a FFA. I had no interest in leadership. I had no interest in public speaking. I was a very, very shy and closed off kid. That was until Mr. Catano decided that wasn't going to be an option for me. He helped me get my first year. My dad helped me take care of it and teach me what it meant to take care of animals, what it meant to care for and learn from animals. Katano then taught me how to speak. He had me compete, again, almost against my will, on a public speaking team called Opening and Closing. And then he convinced me and my parents supported the idea of me going to my first FFA California State Conference. And that was kind of the turning point for me. That was where I understood what FFA really meant and what potential it held. And I had so much fun and I I fell in love with the organization at that point. I um, made a lot of friends that I would never forget and some of them I still talk to now. And that conference inspired me to want to become a leader. It showed me the true value of leadership and what I was missing. So my goal for the next four years of high school was to try to work on becoming a good leader. And I would like to say I I did a good job. While I was initially becoming on planning a state officer, like every freshman was, I didn't become a state officer because I already built the skills that I wanted to build that the state officers had. I wanted to be a great speaker. I wanted to be a community member. I wanted to be someone that people could look up to. I wanted to be a great example for, for the next generation. And I did all of that. After going through all the training in high school that I needed to go through, I had no interest in becoming a state officer because I was already those things. So has a tie into the podcast. I'm about to explain it. So as I went through high school, my sophomore year, I started coaching kids in how to take care of their beef animals. I taught them showmanship, taught them how to care for their animals, how to even quote unquote speak cow, as they used to say. Um, I was very very good with animals in terms of understanding their behavior and what made them tick. And I also understood nutrition, how to care for them, how to make them not hate you. And I taught this to, to every new kid that wanted to show an animal because there really wasn't a whole lot for them to learn from. And it's not an easy thing to pick up on yourself. I was lucky to have my dad to, to teach me, but not all kids were that lucky. So I, I taught a lot of kids and that was kind of my first step into leadership. Um, by, you know, by the end of that year, my, my advisor, Mr. Catano had referred to me as the barn captain. He said that he would even give me the keys to the barn because of how much I was living there. And so that was kind of my first step into true leadership. It continued into my junior year, where I uh, where I ran for chapter office. I, I ran for chapter office every year, but in junior year, I ran for chapter office. I competed on my first speaking team, extemporaneous. Um, I learned how to do citrus judging. I competed in that, and I just I was I was very involved in my junior year. I you know competed on the agronomy team. I was learning tons in my classes. I was having a lot of fun with all my FFA friends. I was even though I wasn't an officer, I was one of the better known members of the FFA chapter that I was part of. And then came my senior year. And that was kind of the the first, you know, real instance of, of, you know, insta uh, of, of what's the word I'm looking for is the it was the first time that I really felt like I belonged in agriculture in leadership and education. Because building up to that, you know, through my speaking experience, through my judging experience, through my officer experience, I really connected with three teachers, my three mentors, as I refer to them as. And I've had other mentors in the past, but these three, they really understood what potential I held. And that was Mr. Catano, my first ever experience with FFA. Mrs. Williams, she was my advisor for uh, Citrus Judging and my officer advisor, and ended up being my teacher in my senior year. And Mr. Kevin Kouine. And I'll get to why Mr. Coyne is is significant later on, but he was one of my mentors that taught me how to speak. He was one of my coaches for my speaking team that I was part of. And him and I would have discussions before school every day at 6 in the morning talking about agriculture, talking about life, things that I would need to know to be a strong leader and just kind of comparing notes on what we thought a good person was. And it was honestly some of the best times I had in, in my high school experience and to this day some of the best times I've had in general. So after learning all these skills and practicing all this stuff and, and acquiring more and more leadership positions and taking on more roles and you know working selflessly and for the community instead of working for myself, I was told by many people, including my mentors, that I, I admired their opinion very much, that I belonged in the classroom and that I should be an agricultural teacher. And at first, I kind of rejected the idea. I still wanted to work in mechanics or I still wanted to work in biology or something like that. And all three of my mentors said the same thing. They had seen how I work with those kids. They had heard how I give my speeches. They've heard how I've helped out new kids that are trying to learn things for the first time, how I've helped out my, my teammates and even my enemies at times. You know, Kids who were on other teams that I was competing against, I gave them advice. and They, they admired how much I, I cared about teaching others about agriculture and how much I worked on helping others understand things the way that I understood them. And all three of them agreed that I should be an ag teacher because I'd be a very, very good one. And I took that to heart. I seriously worked hard to become an ag teacher all of high school and and in my first couple years of, of community college. And as I worked towards that, I learned more about what they meant. But not in the sense of, you know, that I was meant to be a classroom high school teacher, but then they meant that in, in the sense that I loved teaching, that I loved working with people and helping them understand things that they don't understand on their own. And what contacts that, that's in can change. I mean, I was tutoring kids for a little while when I was in school, but I never really considered it a full-time career until the people I admired most told me. And so that kind of led into the creation of, of a few different things in me. Uh, first of all, the, the realization of my own potential You know, helped me realize how much they actually saw in me and why I didn't see it in myself. It helped me realize the skills that I didn't even think I had were, were there and that I needed to be using them to their fullest potential. And all three of those worked very hard to, to help me understand that I'm not allowed to give up ever. It didn't matter what I was doing. They were always right there to tell me to not give up. And that if I just worked harder, I could get through. And a lot of time, they were right. I mean, there were times I didn't want to work hard. And there were times I wanted to give up. There were times that I thought I wasn't good enough. And then they asked me to, to try it one more time. And on that next try, I got it. And they were kind of the turning point in helping me understand exactly what i was meant for and exactly how much i was capable of so as time went on i continued to work with these three and and to do some amazing things in the ffa organization and even after graduating i was asked to come back and help coach the the speaking team that made me who i am to help me realize what i was meant for but more on that later um coming into my senior year there was a lot going on i mean a lot. I was getting ready for, to go to college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, in terms of, you know, did I want to stay at home and do community college? Did I want to go straight to to a four-year? Um, I was working on projects with the FFA organization. I was, an, I was an officer at this point. I was, you know, competing in my teams. I made it all the way to state in one state for citrus judging. I made it all the way to state for extemporaneous, and I didn't win, but I got to second round, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and one of the biggest things, was that I learned that there were a lot of younger FFA members that really looked up to me. I mean, I actually had followers. I had people that, you know, they would they would see me as someone to, to take example from. And that was something I hadn't experienced before. It was something that I had really uh, come to appreciate as time went on. And yeah, I coached the beef kids, and some of them looked up to me, and they saw me as a mentor, which really meant a lot to me too. But it wasn't until I noticed that kids I hadn't even worked with really, really admired me. They admired my style of teaching. They admired my speaking ability. They admired how much I cared about my friends, my organization, and the kids that I was working with. And that touched my heart in ways I never thought were possible. That helped me realize that I really was meant to be a leader because I had people who trusted me to help make things okay, to help train them, to help build an organization that they could trust and that will take care of them. And just in general, to be there when everybody needs me to be there. And That kind of hit me hard when it made me realize that I had more potential than I gave myself credit for. Like I told you, when I started high school, I didn't have that ambition, that drive, that motivation to really work hard or want to do anything. It wasn't until I was really pushed outside my comfort zone and until I was shown that I actually made a difference, that I really wanted to help people. I mean, I've always wanted to help people, but that I knew how to and that I could and that it was something that I would be good at. So that kind of inspired me to really want to be a teacher and to be a leader in my organization and in my community and to give back to the people who gave me so much. So this takes us to the podcast. In April of 2018, I decided to start up Talk Agnomy. And the reason I started up Talk Academy is because for years before that, I've been listening to agricultural podcasts. I've been listening to all kinds of podcasts, but especially agricultural ones. And I learned so much from my speaking teams and from class that I would just spout off information until it drove my mom crazy. And she actually told me that I should start a podcast because of how much I know. So that was one of the reasons I started Talk Ag to Me. There was a few. Another one was that I was listening to podcasts and I was looking for one on agricultural education because I wanted to learn how to be a good teacher. While I was researching it, I couldn't find a single podcast on uh, back in 2017, 2018. I looked everywhere. I could not find one. So unless I was looking in the wrong places, it didn't exist yet. So I saw that as an opportunity to create a, a, a platform where there was none. Because people need ag education. There there's There's a distinct lack of it in a lot of school systems, and people need to learn. People need to learn how to be good teachers. They need to know information that most people don't even think about. So... I started the podcast for that reason. And finally, because I was competing in these speaking teams, I was competing in these judging teams because I was an officer, because people looked up to me, I felt an obligation to teach people about agriculture outside of the classroom. And not only that, I was also full of information that I needed to vent, so I just vented it all into a microphone. But I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I needed help. So I posted a post on Instagram and I got an immediate response from Abby and anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a long time knows that Abby was my co-host, one of my, two, my, one of my two co-hosts. And the fact that she responded to me made me really excited because Abby and I were really good friends in high school and she was one of the, and still is one of the smartest people I know. I mean, right now she's down in New Mexico doing incredible research in dairy genetics that she's trying to publish right now. It's unbelievable stuff. And I'm incredibly proud to have been her friend during high school she wanted to be on the podcast, which I was, again, very excited about because she's incredibly smart and she's a good speaker and she knows her stuff and she's fun to talk to. So I brought her on. Then I went to school the next day and my friend Evan, who I was actually competing with on Extemporaneous, asked if he could join the project. And it was kind of funny because Evan was the one I initially was going to ask, but I didn't because I figured he'd be too busy. Because Evan and I were a bit of a yin-yang situation in extemporaneous. I had all the information, but none of the personality. And he had all the personality and not nearly as much information as I did. He was still incredibly smart, don't get me wrong. But he had a better way of presenting information even when he didn't have any than I did when I did. So I wanted Evan on my team as well. And he actually asked me if he could join the team, and I said absolutely. So with my little team of, of three... We got started immediately. I mean, I spent weeks typing out plans for this, doing research on it, looking at good microphones and, you know, uh, uh, editing programs. And I was writing scripts and I was planning out episodes and I was doing all the stuff. Well, after about two to three weeks of planning and us debating over what to name it, Evan decided that it should be named Talkagdemy. And that name... I'll be honest, wasn't my favorite at first. I was looking into other names that I thought would be good, but I did a poll. I asked people what they thought, and the overwhelming consensus consensus was Tochactomy was a good name, and so I kept it. And even though I've been offered, you know, I haven't been offered, I've been uh, recommended that I change the name. I've been told that it'd be better for business reasons if I change the name. I can't bring myself to do it because I want to honor the people who helped me start this in the first place. So talk academy is always going to be talk academy. Anyways, moving on, we started this because we wanted a fun project for all of us to be able to talk down, you know, sit sit down around a table and then talk to each other about stuff that we learned in our classes, stuff that we're getting speeches on, stuff that we were just really, really interested or, or passionate about. And so listening back to my first episode, as cringy as it is, it's 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 almost admiring to see that even, you know, a long time ago, which I guess two years isn't that long, but it still feels like forever ago we had such passion to help people understand agriculture that we built this entire structure around the best way they could listen to it. Now, of course we were wrong and I changed the the structure a little bit as time went on, but to see that passion, to see that excitement in our eyes was just something that I, I missed quite a bit. And it's not that I don't feel that passion anymore. It's just that in August, so after four months of us recording episodes, Abby and Evan moved on. You know, Abby went to Washington for a college. Evan went to Cal Poly over in San Luis Obispo, and I stayed home. I went to community college, studied agricultural education for two years before transferring to Fresno State. And I worked on the podcast on the side, but the podcast didn't really do all that well on its own. I mean, without the two of them helping me, I didn't really have any reason to, to do the podcast anymore. I, I was overwhelming myself with work. You know, I was working, I was doing schoolwork, and I was working on the podcast. It was just. Too much for me because I was also um, a, a AG council officer. I was involved in other clubs. I was helping out with the with the community. I was working on stuff at COS with my professors. I was you know working on speeches at the time. I had no time for the podcast, which made me really sad because I loved doing it. But I also was getting really dry periods because I wasn't able to find any interview guests. I couldn't come up with interesting content for episodes, and just didn't. I didn't enjoy it as much as I used to. So I took breaks, you know, I took two or three week long breaks from from recording or posting episodes. And I almost quit the podcast quite a few times, because I realized that, you know, the podcast wasn't going to go anywhere, because I was making a a fatal mistake, which I hadn't realized until later. But that fatal mistake was I was refusing to leave the chamber. There was a a, an echo chamber I was creating with my podcast, I didn't mean to, I was talking to You know, industrial professionals of of agriculture, you know, teachers, politicians, farmers, scientists, people who work closely with agriculture, and I wouldn't interview anyone that wasn't them because I wanted their information. It wasn't a mistake, it just wasn't the right content to reach the audience I was reaching for, but I don't regret that even for a second. I regret almost quitting the podcast. That was that was a bit tough, but I needed the break. So I did that for two years. I interviewed farmers, I interviewed people who I thought were qualified to discuss the information. And then I realized that my target audience wasn't reaching or it wasn't catching what I was throwing. Because my target audience from day one has been the average consumer. I wanted people to understand things about agriculture that they typically don't hear about, to hear sides of, of the story that they typically wouldn't even imagine. And I was getting that. The problem was the people who needed to hear it most weren't hearing it. So I decided that it would be in the best interest of the podcast to not interview people who don't need to be interviewed, I guess. is that, That's not the right word to say. I'm not sure how I want to say this. But basically, interviewing the farmers, interviewing the scientists, doing all that kind of stuff was great, but I needed to be talking to people who could help the consumers understand And then that morphed into I needed to be talking to consumers themselves. So after two years of working on the podcast and getting nothing done, I wouldn't say nothing, not getting what I wanted done, done, I decided to change up my rhythm a little bit. I hopped on Reddit, which is an online community place where you can talk to people from all over the internet about different topics based off of what groups you're part of. And while I was working on that, you know, contacting people from around the world, I decided just to post in the podcasting community, just, just see what happened. So I posted in there that I had a podcast about agriculture, about feeding the world, about helping people understand where their food comes from. And I couldn't believe the amount of hits that I got. It was insane. I mean, people were were contacting me, like, you know, eager to learn about what I had to say. And and I didn't think that was possible because, you know, for most of, of my agricultural career, I've been told by you know, industry professionals, and and even ag podcasts that I listen to all the time, the consumers couldn't be reasoned with, that they didn't care where their food came from, that they they were never going to trust agriculture, and it was just our job to give them what they want and then let them complain about it. I didn't want to believe that, and so I found out myself. I contacted consumers, I talked to them, I had discussions, and I've never met anyone more willing to learn in my life. I mean, the guests that I brought on my podcast confirmed my belief that consumers do want to know where their food comes from. It has nothing to do with, you know, the consumer not liking us. It has everything to do with our lack of communication and our poor education. I learned very quickly that the reason consumers don't know anything about agriculture is because we're not teaching them. Like, where are they supposed to get the information from? They're not going to do their own research. Most people don't even know to look because they don't care, you know. But if we bring the information to them, they're a lot more likely to listen, and that's not happening. So you know over time, after quarantine hit, I decided it was a good place for me to start re, you know reintroducing the podcast. In April, I started recording again. I started working on season two stuff. I started kind of reinventing what I wanted the podcast to be. And not that the old stuff was bad. Honestly, the old stuff is the reason I, I did so well in my second season. The old stuff provided me information that I could de- I could then translate to the consumers. So by June, I was posting new episodes of Talk Academy season two. And it was honestly one of the most fun experiences I'd ever had. I was making friends from other podcasts. I was making, you know, friends from across the world, people who typically wouldn't understand or not understand, wouldn't agree with most farmers. I was having conversations with them. they were making them understand the things that I really needed them to hear. And it was at that point that I kind of noticed a change in purpose for my podcast, my podcast initially was meant as a way of teaching people where their food comes from. Over time, it evolved into more of a bridge between producer and consumer, or or a middleman, if you if you will. I would have interviews with with farmers, with scientists, with you know industrial uh, leaders, with people who understand agriculture, and I would learn about all of their things because I understand their language. They would teach me things in terminology that I could understand concepts that I wasn't familiar with, things I didn't know, but in, in language that I could understand, and I would translate that into a relatable terminology for my guests, for the consumers. That was the purpose of this podcast, and still is. It's creating a healthy discussion between both farmer and consumer that doesn't result in either one of them disliking the other. It's, I take the information from the farmer, I put it in a context that the consumer can understand, and I produce it to the consumer, that way they can find it relatable, for the first time ever, you know, we, we had people who are no longer looking at agriculture as an, as an industrial, you know, factory, terrible, like, you know, abusive industry, and appreciating it for what it is. It's not just an industry, it's a lifestyle. It's an incredibly important lifestyle that contributes to the entire world surviving. And my guests were understanding that, and, and they're translating that to me. And it's not that they didn't think that before, it's that they just didn't think about it at all. And while that's, uh, that's, that's all fine and dandy, someone who does think about it and doesn't understand that can cause a lot of issues. I even talked to some guests that had some misconceptions that, not that they were against agriculture, but they believed agriculture was much worse than it was. And it was having those conversations. It was being the translator. It was providing them with the information and in the context of the situation that helped them understand and appreciate what we're trying to do for them. So this was kind of a, a big deal for me. You know, I I had learned a lot about agriculture, about communication, and about my role in the whole game. I even started making episodes based around introducing agriculture to mainstream media again, relating agriculture to movies, video games, books, anything that people can relate to. I had episodes about how the agri- how agriculture works in Star Wars. People were more concerned over how the potatoes were grown in the Martian than the guy actually surviving, which I thought was hilarious. And it wasn't just for the episode. I actually had people on my show that texted me weeks later asking questions about agriculture, saying that they had watched a movie that they never noticed there was agriculture in, and now that's all they can see. It's actually working. Having these conversations isn't just being lost on them. They're actually resonating with the information, and I think it's because of the way it's being presented. I have a whole video coming out about that in a few weeks, but that's not the point right now. The point is... My podcast took a took a took a turn, and definitely not for the worst. You see, I started off my podcast f- for the reasons I told you, but not just that. It was because of the tremendous amount of support I was getting from the people that really thought that I could do something big, and they were right. My three mentors that I mentioned earlier, Williams, Catano, and, and Coolwine, they pushed me harder than anyone's ever pushed me before, and because of that, I've I've succeeded more than I've ever succeeded before. Williams was the one that influenced me to become a teacher. She was the one that taught me how good I can be at teaching others about subjects that are not easy to learn about. I even had student teachers come in that say that I'd be a good teacher because of the way I talk to people, because of the conversations I have, because I'm not willing to get mad at people for what they believe in, but I'm willing to understand them and present my information in a calm manner. That I'm willing to have conversations with people that don't make them feel stupid, but help them realize things on their own. And I believe them. And then there was Mr. Cool who taught me the value of conversation, the value of learning about it at someone's side instead of attacking it, the value of helping others understand my point of view without shoving it down their throats. And he was honestly one of the biggest supporters of the podcast in the first place. You see, when we decided to start doing episodes around interviewing professionals, he was our first one, episode six. And the reason I remember that is because I went back and listened to episode so much, and I I still do, because for anyone who, who's been following this podcast for a while and for people back home, Mr. Kuan did pass away um, about a year after I started the podcast, a year and a half actually, and that took a big hit on everyone from my home, everyone in my community, all of my friends, all of our family, nobody took it very well, including myself, and it took me some time to to cope with that and to even realize how devastated i really was because he supported me so much and he was honestly honestly the reason i continued with my podcast he gave me so much support and ideas and he told me that that this project made him very proud because it might be the future of communicating with consumers and even helping out ffa students and that made me really really proud and and extremely excited and and very humbled so and then mr catano i i interviewed mr catano shortly before he retired and honestly, he, <laughs> when I interviewed him, he taught me that I might not want to pursue a career in agricultural education from the classroom perspective. And that was the first time i had been told that. And I thought he was crazy. You know, of course, I'm going to be an i teacher. It's what I've wanted to be since I was a sophomore in high school. And he would tell me, I know, I know. But just think about it. You're doing more teaching people through this podcast than you would be in the classroom. You obviously are passionate about it. You're very good at what you do. You need to invest time into this podcast, too, and maybe consider going into agricultural communications instead of teaching. You still teach, but teach outside the classroom. And I thought that was kind of incredible that he, that he had brought that up. And at the time, again, I thought he was crazy. But now when I think about how much faith he had in me and in this project, it, it almost makes me you know, choke up just because, again, he was the first one to introduce me to agriculture. Not agriculture. He was the first one to introduce me to FFA, to leadership. He was the one that wouldn't let me quit first. He was the one that pushed me out of my comfort zone for the first time. He was the one that would not let me surrender until I realized how much potential I had in me. I had a lot of great mentors in my life, many that did many great things for me. But him, Mr. Kuhline, and Mrs. Williams all did so much to help me realize that I have a a better purpose in life. And while I still plan on becoming a high school classroom agriculture teacher— I am not quitting on this podcast until I, I absolutely have to, if if I ever do. So after learning about that, after learning how much faith he had in me, and seeing that my theories were right, and that you can teach people about agriculture and have them care, I got to work. I, I started working on on new ideas for how to present information to people in a way that they could appreciate. And I, I think I found some successful, successful strategies. I'm still experimenting, I'm still learning some stuff, and I'm still asking people for their advice, but... I think that my methods are working and people that I know in the agricultural education podcasting community, which is a thing now, are trying some of my methods and they're having the same results. So I'm 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 faithful and hopeful that my my ideas are not lost and that I haven't wasted the past three years of my life on this. And even if I have, it's definitely not a waste because all of this experience will just make me a better teacher in the future. But that was kind of the initial start to my podcast and and kind of the evolution into what it is now. And it's gone through a lot of changes over the past couple of years, I'll admit, but we're coming on three years and the podcast has never done better. It's not doing, you know, outstanding. It's doing outstanding for my standards, but it's not the world's largest podcast by any means. It's not even breaking a hundred listens per episode. It's a very, very small podcast. And I acknowledge that and I'm not saying that it's going to be huge anytime soon, but that's not the point. The point is if I can get one guest to go tell his family go tell his friends go tell his colleagues about not just the podcast but about what he learned on it and that's all i need i could have one listener per episode and if the listener and the yes both go tell people then that could be a massive ripple effect it's not about becoming famous it's about getting the message out there and i was when i first started this podcast i was actually talking to a dairyman from Tulare, um tyler Barrow. He's a good friend of mine. I've made quite a few of those since working on this, and he um, he runs a, a page called Calif- excuse me California Dairy Dad. Uh, he's actually been on an episode before, and he's going to appear on more throughout this season. I promise you that. Tyler does some incredible stuff with his social media management, and he's given me a lot of great advice for mine. Him and I sat down right before we recorded his episode, and he gave me a, a nice, you know, discussion about why I'm doing this podcast and how important it is that I continue with it. I've, I told him about how before, you know, I've, I've, you know, had some great interviews. I got to interview Temple Grandin, who is an incredible, you know, incredible industry professional. And she's, she's a a big idol of mine. I've, I've read all of her books on animal behavior. I read her stuff on, on how she designed slaughterhouses. I've read her books on autism. She's an incredible, incredible woman. She was the best episode I had I had ever recorded in terms of rank of person. My most successful episode, and still my favorite, was my interview with Mr. Cool Wine. That episode has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listens because people miss his voice. and Even I go back and listen to it when I don't know what to do. Even when I do know what to do, but I just need someone to push me to keep going. I still listen to that episode because it means so much to me and it tells me a lot about where I came from that's the reason I'm even doing this episode to kind of yes to tell people you know where I came from that I don't have to explain it a million times because every time I get on a podcast people ask me how I got into this but it's also for me it's for me and my early guests to show how far I've come what's changed and and, and what hasn't and kind of remind me why I started in the first place but anyways back to Tyler Tyler he told me something interesting I hadn't ever noticed before I was telling him about when I was interviewing at the World Dog Expo a couple years ago. I was getting offers to join a network. I was getting offers for people to buy out my podcast or people to, you know, do all the editing and and the, you know, the social media management all that kind of stuff, and I just stay the host. And I was scared of that. I didn't want to lose control over my own project. I didn't want people to take it and make it not mine anymore. And I didn't want people to change what I had worked so hard on. And he said he understood that but he explained the potential in that offer. He said that he wouldn't turn that down if he were me. And the reason why is because not that they were going to steal my project, because they probably were is because that I'm not my project. My project is just a way that I get the information out there. I'm not talking to me. I love to talk to me. I think it's, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done in life, but I am not my project. I'm not my podcast. I am me. And he explained that if they want the podcast and if they're threatening to change the name, if they're threatening to change the episodes, if they're threatening to change everything but me, that should tell me something. Because out of everything, I am the constant. I'm the one who's bringing the good ideas. I'm the one who has the good, I have the passion, I I have the enthusiasm, and I have the potential. And he said I should hold on to that. Because, and I actually follow this by heart now, if everything shuts down, if my podcast gets you know banned for some reason, if it gets taken off of everywhere, if, if my computer crashes and I lose all my files, if any of that happens, if everyone forgets who I am, I can always just start over. Because I'm still me. I still have the ideas, I still have the passion, I still have the enthusiasm to do what I think is right. And that kind of opened my eyes a lot to what the true purpose of this podcast serves. And it's 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 yes, it's to interview people and to you know, teach them about agriculture. But to show them that this idea, this concept is so important, that it's not going to stop. Like, one of the things I like to look back on a lot in, in the episode with Cool Line is that he explained that if other people could pick up this idea, start doing more ag-based based podcasts, even like other chapters could do this, that it wouldn't be a bad thing at all. And I completely agree. Anyone who wants to start an agricultural education podcast, people who want to start podcasts in general, I help them out all the time. I've mentored some new podcasters, which... I have no idea why because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I've am i been doing this for three years and I'm barely breaking 80 listeners and that's on some rare episodes. My average episode listenership is 30 to 40, which in the podcasting world is tiny. But people are still looking to me for advice. They're still looking f- to me for my interview style, for how I connect people, for how I handle myself in interviews. And that means a lot. So I've kind of gotten to a point now where I've acknowledged that the podcast is not the important part of this conversation, the conversation is the important part of this conversation. It doesn't matter where I'm having, it. I could completely quit the podcast and join other people's podcasts and talk to him there. The fact is, and I learned this with Cool I learned this through my own experiences, the conversation is more important than the information. Yes, it's important for true facts to be out there. It's important to to make sure people understand what's actually going on in the industry. But the fact that we're even talking about it, instead of yelling at each other, instead of rejecting ideas, the fact that we're able to have a conversation, to have a civil discussion, even with people that completely disagree with us and still learn something from it is the important part. And I learned that very quickly that the podcast is not meant to be an educational tool. It is. That's what its original purpose was for. But the podcast is not the educational tool. I am. And the podcast is just my vessel for that. So that kind of inspired me to get to a new perspective on the podcast. And that was that, you know, I'm not like, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not working as the provider of information anymore. I'm working as the translator of information. I'm working as the one who can put the information in a way that consumers can digest it and, and actually enjoy it, you know. I'm relating agriculture to things that nobody's ever imagined before. They're playing video games, and they can see agriculture now because they understand what it means. They're reading labels, and they're not trusting them as much as they used to because they understand that there's some misconceptions around them. They're understanding that there are issues in agriculture that are not the fault of the farmer, like food safety, or like water control, or, or food price. And all of those things are shocking revelations to some people, not so shocking revelations to other people, but at the end of the day, The conversations are being had, and that's the part that means a lot to me. So I think what's fair to say is what's next for this podcast. This being the first episode of Season 3, which I'm incredibly excited about, I think that it's important that I discuss exactly what's going to be happening. So my first season was all about getting the information. My second season was about translating the information and giving it to the consumer, the original audience. This season is a combination of both and more. I'm taking it to the next level in terms of ag education from a remote area. I'm gonna get information from individuals in the industry. That part isn't gonna change. I still enjoy doing that. But I'm gonna be kicking it up a notch. I'm gonna be working with other agricultural education podcasts and groups. And I know I've already discussed this all in the update video, but I'm gonna be creating a a you know, a coalition, if you will, of agricultural education groups. And we're not gonna be a network, we're not gonna be a group, but we're gonna to work together on helping having a discussion and what it means to have a discussion with a consumer. What what approaches should we be taking to teaching people about agriculture and other topics like that? I'm going to be live streaming with agricultural education groups as well. I'm going to be working with people. I'm going to be interviewing people like I were before. But the difference is instead of just interviewing consumers on their general questions, I'm going to hone in on issues. I'm going to ask people specific questions and what they think about specific issues in agriculture. I'm going to even be having having interviews with people that disagree with agriculture because it's important to have that conversation and to learn about their side too. This season is supposed to be a culmination of everything that I've worked on so far and a a next step on, on what's to come. So that's kind of what my direction is. We'll see what comes out of it. We'll see how far I get. We'll see if I become more successful or if I go back down on the ladder. Either way, I, I, it's worth a try because this is an imp- incredibly important message to spread. And I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who supported me this far, who's helped me understand exactly what it means to be a communicator, a, a good agricultural advocate, someone who can help bring awareness to issues. I think I'm <laughs> breaking the fourth wall a little bit here. I actually am recording this a few days before Thanksgiving, even though it's coming out much, much later. Um... But I wanted to give thanks to people who have supported me so far in this project. I mean, I can't thank everyone. I mean, there's so many that have done so much for me. But I like to start off by thanking my mentors who looked after me and helped me realize what I was meant for. You know, Shay Williams, Kevin Kuhlwine, and Dave Kahano all changed my lives in a way that I could never imagine or ever thank them for enough. Krim, my speaking coach, the one who taught me how to speak and who taught me how to care about these issues deeply enough anyways, who gave me the information to help me get started in in the first place, I can't thank her enough either. Or for the invitation to come back and work with these kids again and teach them the same skills that helped me realize what I was meant to do. My original co-hosts, Abby and Evan, I can't thank you guys enough for all that you did for me and, and helping me start off this project. I wish both of you luck in your endeavors and I know that you're both doing well. All of my original guests and even newer guests for coming on the shows and helping me realize, you know, both the good conversations and the ones I need to be careful of, the information that's worth spreading and the information that nobody's going to care about, and the direction this podcast needs to go in order for me to fulfill my purpose in life. I'd like to thank Tyler and my new podcasting friends, uh, Alex from Time for Your Hobby, um, Patrick from Silly Mundane Things, and all these people that I've talked to and worked with and, and you know kind of played ideas with just to kind of get an idea of what would be a good, healthy step for, for the podcast. And I've learned so much about podcasting, about communication, about information from all these great individuals. They've all given me great, great help in, in all of this. I'd like to thank my parents for always supporting this idea and for my mom who originally gave me the idea for the podcast. And although I ignore pretty much every bit of advice she tells me to and then end up doing it anyways, I'm very grateful for her for always standing by my side and helping me understand what I was supposed to do in life. And just so much of of my of my support group has just been so amazing. Mr. Tebow, who not only helped me with my speaking in college, but also helped me I understand that the podcast is incredibly important to to what I'm doing in life. Mr. Oka, who full you know <laughs> Mr. Roca, my uh, Ag Education Advisor here at Fresno State, advertises the podcast every chance he gets, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. But I think that it's just so great to know that people actually think I can do something with this. And like I said, I can't thank everyone because I've had so much help and support, but those are some of the big ones that have definitely pushed me as far as I've come, and I, I can't ever repay them enough for that. So I think that that's kind of a good stopping point for the story of Talk Agnomy. Um, if anyone has any more questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. If anyone uh, wants to come on the show, please let me know. I take guests of any kind because the policy for my podcast has always been and will always be I will never refuse a conversation about agriculture, and there are no stupid questions. So... I am going to explain more about this kind of stuff in a future episode. Um, you know, kind of the depth of the podcast itself and what I've of what I've noticed about it. I just wanted to kind of give the timeline of where I started, where I'm going, and kind of where I'm at right now. Just so for anyone who wants to know, it's is there, and also for myself. So, um, thank all of you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is the first time that I ever thought the podcast was going to reach much further than. Than ever. I mean, when I started the podcast, I thought it might get kind of big, but not not this level. I didn't think that my content would have this level of interaction with people. Um, I never expected to make any money off of this. And technically I'm not because I, I am making ad revenue and I am receiving support or money from uh, my, my one and only uh, financial support, Faith, which again, their link is in the down, the, down in the description if you guys do want to support this podcast financially, but you're by no means obligated to. Um, but yeah, Faith, whoever you are, thank you so much for your monthly subscription. And you know anchor, my, my sponsor, thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to to put a little bit of pocket cash in my on my side. And really all the all the financial support I received goes back into this project. So if you guys support this project, I'm not pocketing any of the money. It's all going back into helping produce better content for anyone and everyone listening. So, This season's all about ag education at its finest, not just the conversations, but better ways to have those conversations and better ways to improve the ag education system as it exists. Thank you all for tuning in. I really hope you're around for the ride, and I'm incredibly excited to see what this season brings us. So thanks again for tuning in, and don't forget, if you wait today, thank a farmer. (music)